Welcome to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. I'm Scott Law, and I'll assure you that this is not your typical Christian podcast, just spouting that old-time religion. We're exploring the intersection of our life and faith in a way that's fresh and new. We'll be unpacking deep theological concepts in a very fun and relatable way. Together, my father and I have traveled to over 125 countries, endeavoring to be the hands and feet of Christ. We've also faced incredible personal trials and tragedy, and we held on to the grace of God through it all. So the purpose of our podcast is to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear. Again, welcome to the Conversations Podcast. Sit down, turn it up, and enjoy. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Law. Dad's here as well. Terry Law. Say hello, Dad. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about hope today. And uh, in our conversation, again, so much is going on in the world uh, regarding coronavirus, both affecting people physically, obviously psychologically, uh, financially. There's just a lot of, of junk that we are all seeing and facing in, in your town, in your counties, shutdown. You know, it's, it's deeply affecting uh, our way of life. Here, here in Oklahoma, the, uh, the governor shut down the state. Everybody, everything's on hold. Yeah, and and when you're, you know, when your life is on hold, it's very tenuous. It's you struggle. You always think the worst. You, if you allow the enemy to deposit those seeds and for them to take root, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How you know? Are we going to lose everything? What does tomorrow look like? And worry sets in, despair sets in, and it's uh, it's terrible. You know, it kind of reminds me when um, I'm going to jump in here, Dad, and talk about you know, something that deeply affected my life. And that's my, my struggle with cancer almost four years ago. I, I wanted to read a, um, a post that I posted on Facebook back in June of 2016. They found a tumor in my colon and I had to have colon resection surgery, take about 18 inches out of my colon on June 1 of 2016. And I, the day that I came out of the hospital, I wrote this because I was pretty much drugged up and uh, loopy on uh, Valium and everything else, <laughs> Pain, morphine. And it wasn't safe for me to be around a computer because who knows what I would have written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, here's my post, and I want to read it, and I want to encourage you all. I haven't been on Facebook since the day of my surgery, but I wanted to give you an update now that I've been discharged from the hospital today. For those of you who know me, you know that I strive to be authentic and not just show a fairy tale vacation-filled life on social media. Well, this post is me communicating the only way I know how with honesty and transparency. My pathology came back yesterday as me having stage 3A colon cancer. 3A means? 3A means that it has metastasized. It was just outside of my colon. Okay. And uh, 3B means it it had gone to multiple organs. And stage 4 is, you know, it's it's fairly lethal. Almost fatal. Yeah. Yeah. It had metastasized. The good news is that my surgeon was able to cut out all my visible cancer. 18 inches of my colon, among other things. The bad news is that I'll need to have chemotherapy for six months as a precautionary measure to kill off any roaming cancerous cells. I still have a month of post-op recovery, and then I'll begin chemo in July. These past few weeks have been difficult, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. I've wept more than I care to admit, and I've struggled with God angrily asking him, what the heck is happening? Why this and why now? I've not been a pinnacle of faith, but I've embraced the struggle the only way I know how to put one foot in front of the other, take one step at a time, 
one day at a time and thank my God for his love for me. I'm kind of choking up right now thinking about that because that was a very, very hard time. I remember after hearing from the doctor, Kathy had to leave and go see the kids and I was all alone. No lights on the room. I just remember staring outside and it was hard. It was just hard to think, you know, what am I going to do? And when you stare at those circumstances, you can lose all hope so quickly. When you stare at a diagnosis, when you stare at bankruptcy, when you stare at divorce, when you stare at your child, you know, with, with lupus or leukemia or something, you can lose hope and you can embrace despair. And I think one thing I learned from this struggle was that um, hope is a choice. Hope is a choice. And that's why I wrote it there at the end of that little statement there that I'm, I'm choosing to take one step at a time, one day at a time, and thank God for his love for me in spite of what I saw, in spite of my diagnosis, in spite of the fear that was, was coming up inside of me. I, I'm, I'm choosing to hope in the goodness of God. Question, Scott. When you saw that cancer in the doctor's yeah. picture yeah. of your colon, oh, yeah. how did it affect you? What, I mean, this is a foreign substance in your yeah. body that's trying to kill you. It was overwhelming. It kind of took my breath away. I just remember seeing it up on the monitor on the wall, and everything was quiet. There was just some, you know, that I could hear the beeping of the of the machines and had an IV in, and everything was just my senses were heightened. And I remember seeing that on the screen and thinking, "That's not right. That doesn't belong there." And I was struck with fear. I knew that wasn't supposed to be there, and I knew it was huge, and I knew that was the problem in my body that I couldn't have bowel movements, I couldn't function, and if they didn't get it out of there, I was going to die. And if they didn't get it out of there, it could have ruptured um, and perforated my colon and could have spread cancer cells all over my body. Mm. And I most certainly would have died if they didn't do that emergency surgery. So you have all of these, these things going on in your head, mm-hmm. right? Mm. I mean, your head is gr- your, your mind, the enemy uses it. It's going a hundred miles an hour. To take rabbit trails and to every negative eventuality that never came up, but you go there, you go there and hope was tough to naturally embrace at that time. And it's a choice. And I remember sitting here time and again, you bringing up hope scriptures and you encouraging Kathy and I, my wife and I, and two verses that have all, that stood out to me during that time, Psalms 27, 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. It was sure hard as heck mm. to praise God. That that cancer. first the first verse you read, I would have despaired. That's I would have lost hope. I would have lost. I hope. I would have been f- filled with hopelessness. There would have been nowhere to go. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You had to make a choice there. It's a choice. In your heart, you had to say, God, I don't know how this is going to happen or how I can do it, but I am believing that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hope is an action. It's yes. active. Yes. It's moving yeah. forward. I remember you told me as a kid, a parked car is hard to steer. Yeah. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to have movement on that car to be able to steer it and get it somewhere. And that's what faith and that's what hope is. It's an action. You have to act on it and move to embrace it. There's a beautiful story 
in the book of John when uh, Jesus started calling his disciples in the first chapter of John. He goes to visit John the Baptist, and uh, he is baptized by John, and then two of John's disciples follow Christ because John had called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they'd follow Jesus, and one of them was Andrew. Andrew was uh, Peter's older brother. I think he was older. The Bible doesn't specify that, but uh, he came after he'd met Jesus. He went and found Peter and said, come on, I want to introduce somebody to you. And he said, who? And I, he said, it's the Messiah. It's the one we've been, that Israel's been believing on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And he's here. He's now here. So Andrew takes Peter over to Jesus. And the Bible contains a strange phrase when Andrew introduces Peter to Jesus. The Bible says Jesus looked at him. I've often wondered what that meant. I know one thing. If Jesus looked at me and didn't say anything, I wouldn't be fa feeling very good. <laughs> I would think he'd be seeing stuff inside of me that I didn't want him to see. Oh, no. <laughs> and Exactly. And Jesus looked at Peter, and then he made a crazy statement in essence. He says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, or Jonas, but you shall be called Peter, or Cephas, the rock. You are Simon. Simon, everybody in town knew who Simon was. He was a fisherman with a big mouth who was always getting in trouble and always, uh, well, he basically opened his mouth to change feet. That's what he did. <laughs> and he knows that he's standing before Jesus. Jesus is seeing everything. But then Jesus speaks words of hope. He says, this is what you are. You are a weak man. You are a man that's... Uh, prone to making rash decisions and a very emotional man. And, uh, but he said, that's what you are now. But when I'm done with you, Peter, when I'm done with dealing with your life, you're going to be a rock. You're going to be one of the leaders of, in my disciple, my group of disciples, and you're going to be one of the great men in history that God is going to use in the forming of the church. And I, I've thought of that, Scott, often, uh, uh, the, the amazing impact that it was on Peter to meet Jesus and to be confronted with the Son of God. And uh, along this line, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that when Jesus looked at Peter, one thing Peter felt was, I'm full of flaws, I'm full of, you can imagine what I'm full of. But here's Jesus, and he just comes and looks at Peter. Since that time, I've, I've thought, you know, the you and I might think the Bible is a book about heroes and holy men, super spiritual people who never failed and always did the right thing. But the truth is, it featured an all-too-human cast of failures. Do you qualify there? I know, I sure do. Who were transformed by the grace of God to accomplish great good. You think there's no hope for you? Just take a quick look at the people who changed their world. Moses, King David, the Apostle Paul were all murderers. <laughs> murderers. Yet among them, they wrote at least 19 of the Bible's 66 books. Moses, brother Aaron, was Israel's first high priest, and he led the nation into idolatry. Samson, the strongest man in the world, had a fatal sexual addiction. Jonah, the prophet of God, sent to evangelize the people of Nineveh, was so prejudiced against his audience 
that he got mad at God when the people repented. Yeah. What kind of evangelist does that? <laughs> Jacob was a, a mama's boy, favored by his mother, Rebecca, raised in a dysfunctional family. But what happened when the Bible's League of Rejects encountered God's grace? And friends, I'm talking to a bunch of rejects. I'm a reject myself. I'm not trying to hide it from anybody. Anybody who knows me knows that I've made my share of mistakes. But you know, God saw something in me, just like Jesus saw something in Peter. He saw something there that he was going to touch, that he was going to use, that he was going to anoint. And so he says, you are Simon, you are a man of weakness, but when I'm done with you, I'm going to change the world with you, Peter. Scott, I, I really think that applies right now to people listening to us here in America, we're, uh, we're a host of people who need help. Our finances running down the drain. We've just lost 10000 in our Dow Jones in the last two to three weeks. We're afraid of disease. This coronavirus, where is it? Who's it going to get next? You can't see it. You can't, you can't see it. It's and, imaginary. And you're, it's, not, it's, you're not sure if you're meeting somebody and they're, you reach out to shake their hand. Are they leaving the disease on you? All this stuff is going on, and uh, wow, there's despair in the nation. There really is. And it's come a time for someone to raise their voice and to say the God we serve is a God who sees in you potential that no one else can see. And that God wants to bring forth out of your life a life full of hope, a life full of joy and peace. And uh, I believe that the various podcasts that we're going to make going forward are going to raise up a sense of hope, a sense of faith, a sense of love in the heart of, of people across the nation. God is not done with you yet. God has things planned for you that would blow your mind if you realized what was coming down the road. Moses probably had no idea when he stood by the burning bush that God was going to do what he did with him. And he sent him back to Pharaoh. He led the children of Israel out. They came to the Red Sea, and, and Moses waved his rod, and the water got scared. It just moved out of the way. And, and when Moses brought that rod down, it didn't hit water. It hit dry ground. And uh, there are the people watching him, coming and walking across on on dry ground. What a, what a momentous time. What a man of hope. But you never saw that in Moses beforehand. He gets in a fight with an Egyptian because uh, he is beaten up on one of his Hebrew brothers and he kills the man. He uh, runs away. That's right. And he, he runs away. He was a murderer. We, we see all of this and yet in our heart, we know that God is bigger than our circumstance. And you know, there's a beautiful little verse, one of my favorites in the writings of Paul. It comes from 1 Corinthians 13. And it's verse 13, and it says, And now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Let me ask you a question. How many sermons have you ever heard on faith? A bunch. A bunch. Uh, how many sermons have we heard on love? I've heard hundreds yeah, over the years. Many, many. I remember maybe two sermons in 35 years on hope, and yet it's one of the primary subjects in the Bible that needs to be explored and exploited. And I would say 
uh, to you, all of you listening to me, to Scott, to our families, everybody around us. God is in the business of giving us hope. God is in the business of saying, I'm the God of a second chance. You're going to have another chance to do this. And Scott, he did that to you in an amazing way. It's the heating of cancer in your body and how God has raised you up and to think of what we're doing right now. We're speaking hope into the hearts of probably tens of thousands of people right now. But that's, that's the goodness of God. And he's bringing that out in your life. He's bringing it out in mine. And uh, wow, it's a great time to be alive. It is. You know, I was, uh, as we were talking, we were talking uh, literature. Your lovely wife, Barbara, is a English professor at Oral Roberts University. And there's hardly a book she hasn't read. <laughs> and we were talking about great world literature. And I was thinking of The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas, mm. one of my favorite books. And uh, in the movie, uh, the, the character Edmund is played by Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. I, I know Jim Caviezel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we, met him. yeah we've met him. We've had meals with him. And yeah. wonderful man of God. And there's a line in that, in the movie, that is one of my favorite lines in any movie ever. And Edmund looks and he says, You will bask in the sunlight one moment and be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when that storm comes. And that is something that we all face, storms. No one is immune from storms in their life. And we are all going through storms in our own way, big and small. The whole nation is in the middle of a storm right and, now. And I think of this quote, and I think that's where the choice happens. What makes you a man or a woman? What gives you steel <laughs> in your backbone is what you do when the storm comes. We've got storms right now. We're living in the middle of a tidal wave. And what are we going to choose? What do we believe? Right. One of the beautiful things about hope is that when you grasp hope, it generates energy. It says there's hope and I can do something. And I'm going to do th something. I'm not going to lay down and roll over. It generates enthusiasm. It generates uh, decision-making, new ideas. And this nation is not going to lay down and play dead because we've got some financial problems or because we, we've got disease that's rampant running in the streets of our nation. In the same way, God is saying to us, there's energy, there's, there's, there's hope, there's something ahead of you where I'm going to bless you and I'm going to show you things that you would never have believed on your own. And I look back over my own life, and I've made the comment on occasion, I've met with popes and presidents and prime ministers. I've met with men who are great men. And yet, in all of that, I'm a kid from Canada, raised in a town of 125 people. I never knew anybody who was anybody. And uh, God put his hand on me and called me. And he's led me to the world. And uh, we're working in Iraq right now seeing amazing things happen. The kingdom of God is exploding everywhere. And friends, we are being blessed by a God who is the God who blesses. I'd just like to read a couple of verses, if I could, here. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. On the subject of hope, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Here's a beautiful verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know 
that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. If you're a Christian, if you've given your heart to Jesus, God has called you to serve him for his purpose. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's where hope is valuable, because hope deals with the mind. Absolutely. And the enemy knows how to attack the mind, and that's why we need to put on our helmet. And we'll get into that in, in uh, podcasts ahead, and episodes ahead. We'll talk about that helmet and what that looks like. Amen. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I can tell. Going back to, I know this sounds entirely self-interested, but going back to my story, I remember in the series of a year going through cancer and then uh, we lost our, our little daughter and I remember somebody a personal friend of mine told me that your life sounds like Job <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, it felt like when is something good going to happen when so many bad things are going to happen there's a there's a, a verse in Job 14 7 that is applicable right now is Job talking he said for there is hope for a tree if it is cut down then it will sprout again and that its tender roots will not cease Sometimes you feel like we're cut down. We're cut in half. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've all seen trees that have been cut down, um, that have been sawed in half. Especially here in Oklahoma, you get ice storms. Mm. And they got to cut trees down all the time. I had a neighbor next door to us when we lived here who had a beautiful maple tree, and it split the tree in half. They had to cut it down almost, almost to the stump. And no joke, five years later, it was the same size mm. and shape as it was. Right. Okay, and so this... This nature. Nature believes in hope. It does. Absolutely. It's pregnant with hope. Right. And that's what this is saying. You know that even if you're cut down and you're a tree, you will sprout again because your roots are deep and they will not cease. The roots are there. You don't right. see the roots. You have to believe that they're there. You know, there, there's two kinds of hope that I see in the Bible. Paul says to the church in Rome, I hope to come to you at such a time. And that's kind of wishful thinking. If things work out and everything is propitious, I'll, I'll end up and I'll be there at such and such a time. But uh, the other kind of hope is the confident expectation of the goodness of God. And we're trying to define that for our listeners today. There's a confident expectation in my heart for the goodness of God. The good things of God are coming to you. They're coming to bless you. Do bad things happen? Oh yeah. Scott's talking about cancer. I'm I talk about the death of my first wife. We've had pain, lots of pain. But we can talk to you today and say, we serve a God, a God of hope, and something good is going to happen to us and to you today. Thank God for the hope that God has given us. Grace and peace on you all. Thank you for listening to us, and uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening today to the Conversations Podcast with Terry Law and Scott Law. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Terry Law Speaks. Go to terrylawspeaks.com if you'd like to book Terry to speak at your church or special event. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many of the other major podcast platforms. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time as we continue to share the love and grace of God with you and with those who've yet to hear.